Hello, this is Miss Leslie Barker, the pastor's wife here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church. Thank you for joining in today. Our prayer is that the Lord will speak to your heart through His Word, and that this podcast will be a source of encouragement and a blessing to you today. Well, hello again, and I'm certainly glad to be here. I was here once before in a Jubilee about five years ago, right? And then I remember years ago, probably about 15 years ago, uh, my husband and I were here in a revival meeting, and we had uh, Dr. And Mrs. Billy Rindstrom with us and Dr. and Mrs. Jim Stoutenberg. We were here for a revival meeting. And while we were here, I got a message that my mother was in the hospital and would probably not live a couple, two, two days or more. And if I expected to see my mother alive, I needed to come. So I had to leave from this church to go to Texas to see my mother just before she was graduated into heaven. So I always think of this church as kind of a warm spot in my heart because I was here when, you know, my mother went to heaven. And uh, it was good to, that I got to know you folks then. And I, we've been good friends with you folks all down through the years. Good to get back again. Okay, so I do want to talk today about why do the heathens rage? And, of course, that's from Psalm 2. Psalm 2. Let's pray. Father, pray you'll bless now. This is important, Lord. And, Lord, we're so glad you give us your word and you give us a... Uh, you tell us exactly what to do in every circumstance, in every situation. And Lord, help us to learn to depend upon you and to seek your word and find out what you want us to do, no matter what comes into our lives. Bless us and help, Lord, now speak through me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, in Psalms 2, the question is asked, it says, Why do the heathens rage and the people imagine a vain thing all right and then uh, of course that's answered it's because the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the lord and against the anointed saying let us break their bonds asunder and cast away their cards from us and so uh people the heathens are rage and they imagine the vain thing because uh, they have their confidence in the rulers of the world they hear talks about the kings but they people that we're talking about uh the heathens talking about unsaved people People that are unsaved, they have their confidence in men, don't they? They don't have anybody else to have their confidence in. So they have to put their confidence in men. And men say, you know, there's, oftentimes there's no supreme being, or if there is somebody up there, you know, he doesn't know much about us, and, and whatever comes is going to come, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. So, you know, if you're going to have your confidence in anybody, you need to be sure you got a good government and a good man in, the, in, the, in Washington, D.C. as the president, and be sure you elect the right senator, and be sure you got men that have got long uh, strength of degrees after their name, because that's so important. Now you're going to put your confidence in men. Yeah, all right, see? So now what happens? Well, the Lord, he sits up in heaven and laughs. He laughs about that, the very idea. And the Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them uh, in his wrath. It's going to make him mad. He didn't like that at all, you know, that anybody would have confidence in the world or in, in humanism. And uh, he's, vexed, he's vexed by this. And so he knows, and he goes on to tell about that he knows that his son is going to rule one of these days. He's going to set his son on the hill um, in Zion. And uh, so then it says... Uh, in the tenth verse, be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. If you kings got any, if you leaders of the world got any sense, now you're going to put your confidence in God and be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and uh, 
rejoicing with trembling. So I said, serve the Lord with fear. That means serve the Lord with honor and respect because God's the one that made everything and he's the one that sits upon the throne and he's the one that rules everything. And this says, kiss the son lest he be angry. That means give honor unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it says, blessed are they which put their trust in him. Now, have you been saved? Have you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Is God your heavenly Father? Then you ought to put your trust in him. And it says, blessed are they which put their trust in him. But you know what is so sad as I look around? Many of we who call ourselves Christians and we've been born into the family of God and uh, we know that he's our heavenly Father, yet we still act like the heathens. You know that? We just act just exactly like the heathens. What do we do? We put our confidence in the world. We put our confidence uh, in uh, men that of a real high notoriety, men that have got long string of degrees after their name, men that seem so knowledgeable. My, they seem so smart and they seem so knowledgeable. And we think, my goodness, they, they just know it all. And they know how to tell me how to do it. So we follow the world, we follow the trend of the world, we do the things that the world do, and then we get ourselves in all kind of trouble, all mixed up, all kind of problems, and we wonder what in the world's wrong. How come I get no comfort out of my Christian life? How come? How come? See, because you're acting like a heathen. That's exactly what you're doing. You're just like a heathen. Why do the heathens rage? Why do you have all kinds of problems? Why do you have all kinds of troubles? How come you can't understand what happens in your life? Why can you imagine a vain thing? Why? Because you're just like a heathen. You know, we have a lady that lives on the Bill Rice Ranch, and she's a lovely lady, but uh, she came to me one day, and she said to me, she said, Ms. Rice, I just don't know uh, what we're going to do this summer when we have all these people come to the Bill Rice Ranch. Now, we have six youth weeks, and we'll have about 1,000 each week. Sometimes we'll have 1,200. So that's a lot of teenagers, isn't it? And then during our family weeks, we have big crowds, and during our junior age week, we have, we're packed and jammed, you know. So we have a lot of people, it would be about 10,000 10, people that come through our doors during our summer camp season. So that's a lot of people. So this woman said to me, she said, oh, she said, what are we going to do about AIDS? What are we going to do about AIDS? I said, what do you mean? She said, well, all these kids coming? Why, she said, how do we know they're not going to bring the AIDS germs? How do we know our kids are not going to get AIDS? Well, I said, my goodness, and I called her by name. I said, why are you worrying about that? I said, if you're doing your reading at all, you know that the AIDS germ cannot live a fraction of a second outside the human body. It's just, you know, you can't get it off a doorknob or get it off of a glass or get it, uh, you can't get it that way. Uh, Why? Well, that's silly to worry about that. But I said, more than that, remember now, I said, what if your children did get AIDS from some of the kids that come to camp and they got sick and died? Well, they'd be absent from the body and present with the Lord, right? So I said, why do you worry about that? Well, it just bothered me, Ms. Rice. We said, I guess you're right. I guess I ought not worry about that because if we die, we'll just go to heaven, won't we? Yeah, we'll just go to heaven. All right. So that, that seemed to satisfy her for, the, uh, for a time. But a few days, she came back again. She said, oh, Ms. Rice, said, I know you think I'm silly. And she said, but you know what? I'm just so concerned about acid rain. 
And I said, well, what about acid rain? Well, she said, it's just going to destroy my children. How are they going to grow up? She said, they may get deformed and all. I said, well, where do you get all this stuff? She said, by reading the newspaper and by watching TV. I said, then quit watching the TV and quit reading the newspaper. If you're going to get all that stuff in your mind and get all upset. And so I talked to her for a while and kind of got her calmed down. Well, that was all right. So then a few days she came back and here she was. She said, oh, my goodness, right. She said, I'm just so upset. She said, you know, she said, now my daughter now is 13 years old and I'm just afraid to let her go outside the door. I said, why? I'm afraid she's going to get raped. I said, well, my goodness. I said, you know, I said, you're going to have to be very careful about where you let her go and, and she doesn't go out at night by herself and, and be careful about uh, who her friends are. And I tried to comment her, but I said, why do you worry about that? And why are you worrying about that? Well, I don't know. It's just, oh, and here she was. I, I said to her, you know what you are? You're just a heathen. And that's the first time it hit me in the head. You're just like a heathen. You're just like a heathen. I said, here you imagine all these vain things where you're just full of rage. And you imagine all these vain things. I said, are you a child of God? Well, yes. I said, then act like it. Then act like it. So I said, come on now. Let's just turn over here to First John. So we turned over to First John. First John, the third chapter. And uh, maybe you need to write these down. You may need this sometimes to remind yourself who you are. See, all right. So over here in First John, the third chapter, it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. See, that just goes right along with the Psalms too, doesn't it? All right. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not hear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. So I said, now, every time you get concerned and upset and you imagine all these vain things, you just go and read. You go and read in there and find out that you are the child of God. And I said, your Heavenly Father knows all about you. You know, in, in the 103rd Psalm, and we've all been so mindful of the 103rd Psalm just recently because we just had Thanksgiving haven't we and that's a very very popular psalm during the thanksgiving time and uh, that's just such a beautiful psalm and i just love it which says bless the lord O my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name bless the lord O my soul and forget not all his benefits bless the lord O my soul bless the lord O my soul uh, bless his holy name aren't you glad that you have the heavenly father is your heavenly father you see the heathens don't have that the unsaved people don't have that, but you do. You do have your heavenly Father. You have Him, and you know the heathens. Uh, they have a. I don't know who they worship. Maybe if they worship Buddha or Dagon or whatever. I don't know who their God is. But did you know all the heathens that have a God have an angry God? You ever realize that? They have an angry God. You know, did you ever read a missionary story about how the natives go out and throw their beautiful baby to the crocodiles to appease their God? And if they have twin babies, I read one time the story about a, a twin babies. One was a beautiful baby and one was a deformed baby, but they threw out the best of beautiful, perfectly formed baby to the crocodiles because they were trying to appease their God. You don't have to, we don't have to appease our God. Our God loves us. He loves us so much that he gave his only son to die for us. And you know, he, who loadeth us with benefits. 
Well, think of all you have because you have a heavenly father. Because you have a heavenly father. He knows us, and he knows us by name. Did you know that? You know you're not a number. You're not a number to God. When you were saved, your name was written in the Lamb's book of God. Not a number. You know, here in the United States of America, a number is far more important for me than my name. You know, I've got to have a social security number, and I've got to have a driver's license number, and I've got to have uh, all these different numbers. You know, I can get a, a letter addressed to me if I've, if, 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 if I've got my zip code on there. My zip code is far more important than my name. You see, as far as the world is concerned, as far as humanism is concerned, it's far more important that you have a number than you have a name. But to God, you're a name. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of God. And in John 10, it tells us, Jesus says, I know my sheep, and I call them by name. And I call them by name. So he knows you. You think, little old me, way down here. Yeah, little old you, way down here. God knows you by name. You know, my husband and I were previously to be in the Holy Land a number of times. And, and my husband was always so intrigued with the sheep in the Holy Land. And I was too. But he was always so uh, intrigued with the sheep. And he has a very famous sermon. Maybe you'd like to get to his message on the 90 and 9. And he tells in there about uh, how the how the shepherd would call the sheep and the sheep know his voice and they follow their shepherd's voice and the hireling they will not follow. And every sheep knows his own shepherd's voice and he'll follow that shepherd but he will not follow anybody, any other man's voice. And that was always so thrilling to my husband, you know. And so he'd see a bunch of sheep so he'd go up and he'd make all kind of noises in his throat like the shepherds make and the shepherd sheep wouldn't pay attention to him. But uh, just let the shepherd make a noise. Boy, those sheep would all put up their ears right now. They wanted to follow you know, they wanted to follow, uh, see what their shepherd wanted. They were very attentive to the voice of their shepherd. But one thing that was really thrilling to me was one day we were uh, watching some sheep and they were going into the fold. And you know, they have a little round square enclosure. And uh, another thing that's very, you know, you just got a whole kind of a, a message about sheep in the Bible. But another thing that's very thrilling, after he gets the sheep in there, then the shepherd sits down and he becomes the door. You know, he becomes the door to the sheepfold. And so that's why Jesus said, I am the door. I am the door because he had watched the shepherd sit down and become the door to the sheepfold. And you know, when he was sitting down there and he was the door, the sheep couldn't come out because they couldn't get out over the shepherd. He was right there to keep them, keep the sheep in. But a wolf or a bear couldn't come inside because he was there protecting the sheep from the wild animals on the outside. So he became the door. Well, that's thrilling, isn't it? But the thing that thrilled me so, I was watching this shepherd, this shepherd, and as the sheep would go through, he would pat them on, on the head and call them by name. And he'd come the next sheep, and he'd pat him on the head and call him by name. Now, if the shepherd didn't pat the sheep or call him by name, that sheep would just stand there. He'd just stand there. He wasn't about to go in till he heard his name called and his head pat on the head. And I think, how can that shepherd know all those sheep by name? How? They all looked alike to me. They're all white and woolly. They all had two ears. They all had a big fat, flat, fat tail back behind. They all had four feet. My goodness, those sheep look alike to you. I can't tell any difference in the sheep. They all look alike to me. But the shepherd knew everyone by name. And until a sheep heard his name and felt the pat of the of the shepherd's hand, he would not that sheep would not go in. So that's the way we ought to be with our heavenly Father. He knows us by name, and he calls us by name. 
And we ought to be very, very attuned to our Heavenly Father and know that He's right there all the time, knowing us by name, knowing what our problems are, knowing what our cares are, knowing what our heartaches are, knowing when things come into our life. Knowing all about us, all about us. We don't need to act like heathens. They feel like we don't have anybody that cares anything about us. We do too. You know, over in Romans, the eighth chapter, that's a tremendous chapter in the Bible, and I love the eighth chapter of Romans. But in, uh, in the eighth chapter, in the 14th verse, it says, for as, many are, uh, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, you know, when you got saved, you became a child of God. He's your heavenly father. You are a princess. And oftentimes when I speak to the girls in the summertime, I tell them they are really a princess. Uh, see there, And their father is the king of a far greater kingdom than any kingdom here on this earth, aren't they? So they are really a great, wonderful princess when they are a child of the heavenly father. Okay? And so it says, For we, are not received, we, uh, we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry... Abba, Father. Now, my husband told me that that means Papa. Papa. You know God is our Papa? He's our Papa. And that's a, very, that's a term of endearment. Uh, you may say, my father, when you're talking about your father, your earthly father. But when you talk to him, you usually call him dad or papa or daddy or something like that, don't you? Well, God, see, he's not some great... Creatures that's way up there, way far away, that doesn't know anything about us, that can't even get close to us. No, he's our papa. He's our papa. And, you know, all of our problems are that we don't go to our papa. We don't go to our papa. Isn't that sad? And it says right here, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Well, when you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live right in you. And that spirit tells you that you are the child of God. And it says, uh, and then in the 18th verse, For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Well, my goodness, what we've got ahead is just so much more compared to what we've got right here on this earth. And what if into our life uh, we have some heartache and we have some sorrow and we have some sadness and we have some bad times? Well, that's just peanuts compared to what we're going to have one of these days. And how sad it must make our Heavenly Father to sit up in the heaven and see us down here acting like heathens. We act like we don't have a Heavenly Father. We act like we don't have a Heavenly Father that cares about us and knows anything about us. And we sit down, we feel sorry for ourselves, and we groan and we moan. We just act like a heathen. We act like unsaved people. They don't have anybody to go to or anybody to turn to. We have our Papa in heaven. Who cares about us? Now, I'm so glad tonight they sang that song, uh, This is the Day the Lord Has Made. That's always been a very, 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 very wonderful scripture to me. I love that. In fact, I've loved it for many, 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 many years. Uh, when I was just a girl, before I was a teenager, I discovered that verse in the Bible. And I just loved it, you know. And I went around all the time spouting off, this is the day the Lord hath made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. But I think I'm a, like a lot of other people. To me, that means when it's a good day, when it's a wonderful day, when everything's gone right, when something special is going to happen, boy, this is the day the Lord hath made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. But you know, uh, the Lord makes every single day. You know, every single day. He made this snowy day. 
But he makes the bright, sunshiny days. He makes every single day. He makes the days when everything goes right for you and everything falls in place. But he go, made the day when things, everything goes wrong and you have maybe a lot of heartache or sorrow happen in your life. He made that day too. He made every single day. So I remember when I was getting ready to get married, going to marry that long, tall, lanky Bill Rice, you know. And I said, boy, I went around all day long saying, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, and I just was so happy, you know, that was a wonderful day to me. And then I remember when I was expecting my first baby. Oh, my goodness, what a wonderful day. And I went around, I lay there in my hospital bed after that baby was born, you know, and I said, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And it was wonderful to me. That was a wonderful day. And the Lord did make that day, didn't he? And that was a good day. But uh, it was some time before I realized there was another verse just before that verse. You know what that says? It says, this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. Well, this is the Lord's doing. Every single day, it's the Lord's doing. So we ought to trust him about it. Trust him about it, whatever comes along. But this is the Lord's doing. We all say it's marvelous in our eyes. You know, uh, Libby sent me a letter, I think it was Libby, from a woman that's got a baby that's deaf. She's 16 months old, I think she said. And she's 16 months old, and this woman said, you know, she said, oh, this is so sad. We've just found out that our 16-month-old baby girl is deaf. And she said, we're in school preparing to be missionaries, but we can't be missionaries now. We're going to have to give that up. We can't be missionaries now. How can we be missionaries when the Lord's our little girl... Uh, be born deaf. We can't be missionaries. And so Libby sent the letter to me. She wrote the book, woman back and she said, I'm going to send this to my Aunt Kathy and maybe she can help you some. So I wrote back to the woman and I said, well, why would you say this is sad? Why would you say this is pitiful? Why would you say this is awful? Well, this is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. How dare we who are Christians to ever say anything that comes into our life is sad or horrible or pitiful or terrible. This is the Lord's doing. And I said, I can understand your heartache and your sorrow. I said, I went through the same thing. When I found out that my little girl Betty was deafened from meningitis, I said, my heart was broken. And I couldn't help but say, why? Why, Lord, why would you do that to, me, to us? We love you, Lord. We serve you. We're preparing ourselves for full-time ministry. My husband's preaching all the time and having people saved. Why would you do this to us? See? But you know, when you're a Christian and you walk close to the Lord and you read his Bible every day and you seek for the answers, the Lord's going to help you get the answer. And it's not going to be very long. You're going to find out, well, everything's all right. In the, if the Lord's in control, and he is. And I said to this woman, well, instead of saying, it's horrible, it's pitiful, it's sad, we can't be missionaries, well, I know you should say, this can add a dimension to our ministry. This can add a dimension to our ministry. I said, where do you plan to be missionaries? Perhaps the country you go to is going to have uh, deaf, deaf people in it that no one's there to tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can do that. Because you're going to learn how in dealing with your little daughter. So that's going to add a dimension to your life. I said, my husband was a full-time evangelist. 
but it never entered my mind to say, well, Bill can't be an advantage just because we have a deaf daughter. Well, no, it never entered my mind. And uh, I didn't even realize then that it was going to add a dimension to our ministry, but my goodness, what a dimension it has added. Because just one little girl lost her hearing. Today we have a, a ministry that stretches across America and around the world. Because we not only have uh, all kind of deaf ministries all across America, but we have uh, missionaries in Japan and missionaries in, to the deaf in the Philippines and missionaries to the deaf in Brazil, missionaries to the deaf in Argentina and missionaries to the deaf in Ireland. My goodness, we're beginning to go around the world. What tremendous ministry. So we say, oh, how horrible, how sad. But the Lord says, no, this is the Lord's doing. It's wonderful in our eyes. Well, look what's going to happen because I permitted one little girl to be deafened from meningitis. And uh, I remember I was telling the Rice girls today about one time my husband was down in, in uh, southern Indiana in a revival meeting. And so he called me on the telephone. He said, get on the train and come down and spend the weekend with me. And, you know, Bill had been down there. He, this was his second week, and he was going to wind up. This was his second week in that meeting. And he had not mentioned to me, not one bit, not said, said one word. But this church he was in, the pastor was a woman. And so when I got there and we went to church, I said, where's the pastor? And my husband said, sitting right up there. You mean a woman's a pastor of this church? I couldn't believe it, you know. But I guess he got there and he found out it was a woman, you know, so what could he do but go ahead and have the revival meeting? So <laughs> that was a shock to my equilibrium to find my husband <laughs> in a church where a woman was a pastor. And, you know, Dr. John Rice had written that book on bobbed hair, bossy wives, and women preachers, you know. <laughs> And so my husband always took a book with a lot of books along to sell them, you know. But I know she had very carefully, but very surely, had put that book under the book table. He wasn't selling that book. <laughs> All right. I really teased him about that. But anyway, I got there on a Saturday afternoon. Oh, it was a cold, blustery, snowy, bad day, just like the day's been. And uh, so we went to the church and had the church service. And then after the church service, uh, we went out to get us some hamburgers and french fries to take back to our room to eat. Uh, my husband was standing in kind of a little two-room department, and uh, one room was a, a kind of a little living room with a, with, and a bedroom uh, combined, and then back behind that was a little kitchen. And uh, in the bedroom and living room combination, there was a fireplace. And so we sat down in front of the fireplace, and he built a fire, and we sat down, opened up our hamburgers and our french fries, and something scratched on the door. Scratched on the door. And my husband opened the door, and there was an old cold, wet, mangy dog with icicles hanging all over his fur, you know. And you gals knowing Bill Rice as you did, he invited the dog in, you know, naturally. And <clears throat> poor old thing, you know, and my husband felt so sorry for him, so we invited the old dog in, and we gave him some of our hamburger and some of our french fries, and he curled up there in front of the fireplace and went to sleep, and, oh, we get to smell to high heaven, you know how... A wet dog smells when it begins to dry out. But after we got all settled down and everything, then my husband said to me, he said, what's the Lord giving you recently? Has the Lord given you anything? And I said, yes. I said, you know how I love that verse, this is the day the Lord has made. He said, yeah, I sure do. He said, what, what about it? And I said, well, it just, it just hit me today that the verse before that is just as, just as wonderful. And he said, what does it say? And I said, well, it says, this is the Lord's doing it is marvelous in our eyes. And I said, you know, all these years I've always used that verse uh, 
this is the day the Lord has made when I felt like you know, something wonderful was happening. But I said, for the first time it dawned on me that Betty being deafened was the Lord's doing. And we ought to say it's marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. See, the Lord's on the throne. He knows all about it. Now, you know, if I could, tomorrow I'd give Betty my ears. You know, I'd be glad for her to have my hearing. But uh, she doesn't know what she's missed. And my goodness, when she gets to heaven, she's not going to only have all the glories of heaven. She's going to get her hearing. Won't that be wonderful? That'll really be wonderful for her. But uh, my, what a t- tremendous ministry. What a tremendous ministry has been generated all because they lost her hearing. They lost her hearing. But you know, uh, when I see people that, that call themselves Christians, but they so often to me act like heathens, that's uh, when there's a death in the family. And I know it's hard on us to lose a loved one, because especially if you've lived with someone for a long, long time, you lose a husband that you've lived with 50 or 55 or 60 years, or, or you lose a child that you've uh, nurtured from babyhood, and then now uh, you lose it when he's seven or eight or 18 or 19. Yeah, it's hard. And we wouldn't be human if it didn't break our hearts. It wouldn't be hard for us. But that doesn't give us the privilege to act like a heathen, does it? No, that doesn't give us the privilege to act like a heathen. And so over in in, uh, 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, when we're all so familiar with these verses, and we all quote them every time someone loses a loved one, we say, uh, Behold, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Now that's a command. That's a command. That's telling you, don't you act like a person that doesn't have any hope. Don't you act like an unsafe person. Don't you act like an unsafe person. Now you've got hope. And I know you're going to be saddened and you're going to be heartbroken and it's going to be some hard times for you. But remember, the Lord doeth all things well and he knows about it. And, you know, we think, oh, my goodness, how sad when we lose a, 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 lose a loved one. And we just think it's so terrible. But you know what the Lord says in Psalms 116:15, Precious, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saint. And we say, oh, how pitiful. Oh, how horrible. Oh, how sad. When the Lord says precious, Precious, see? So when we lose a loved one, we have to say, well, I'm sure going to miss him. And you know, Bill Rice has been gone now almost 10 years, and I miss him as much as I ever did. Oh, it doesn't ever get easier. I miss him. And every place I go, when I come here, my how nostalgic it is. I remember several funny things and several wonderful things that happened when we were here, whatever it was, 15 or so many years ago. I can remember some things. And all those things come flooding back to me, and I remember, remember, remember every place I go. Uh, Because I've traveled so many places all across the United States, up in Canada and overseas with Bill Wright. Well, I can't go anyplace that I'm not reminded I don't remember. Here's songs that remind me of him. So I never get to where I get used to not having him around. I always remember. And it's pleasant memories. And that's good and that's wonderful. But I would never say, oh, how horrible. Oh, how sad. Now, you know what I'm prone to say? Sometimes I think, why in the Lord, why in the world does the Lord leave that two-bit preacher here when he took such a wonderful preacher like Bill Rice to heaven? See? That's what I feel like saying, but no, the Lord doeth all things well. So I just say, precious. 
my precious, isn't that a precious time? Precious time. When absent from the body and present with the Lord. That's a precious time. And so the Lord says, now, now you don't act like those people that have no hope. You don't act like that. And the Lord will be, he'll, he'll help you. And I was, I was uh, just love, you know, uh, the Bible tells us, you know, over in, a, in, a, in Philippians, we're also familiar with this verse in, in, in Philippians where it says, uh, I like the fifth verse where it says, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Now, I know that's talking about uh, the Lord's going to be coming back before too long, but to me, that was a real comfort to me in the time of Bill's home, home going. I just felt like the Lord's at hand. And I felt like, my goodness, if I'm a Christian, can't the Lord give me comfort? Why, yes. And I just felt like he was right there holding my hand saying, now, Kathy, remember, remember that verse of scripture? And remember that verse of scripture? And remember this verse? And oh my goodness, how my heart was flooded and my mind was brought back to memory. Many, many, many precious scriptures in the, in the Bible that helped me in those immediate days where I have to be as home going. And what good is it to be a Christian if you can't have this hope and can't have this Bible to, to help you and, do, and be with you through all, any, whatever your heartache is, whatever your trial is, whatever your problem is. Well, the Lord's at hand. He's at hand. And uh, right after Bill was gone, you know, I think most of we women, we feel like, oh, my goodness, how did we get along without our husband? We depend upon him so much, and he's such a strong leader, and, he, and I just follow his leadership all the time. How am I going to get along without him? But, you know, I was so thrilled when I found in Deuteronomy, I forgot now exactly where it was, where it says, the Lord goeth before you. He's talking to Joshua. Uh, and he said, I'm going to go before you. I'm going to go before you. So, my goodness, if the Lord could go before Joshua and lead him, do you think the Lord can go before me? And I said, thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you for that comfort. Well, sure you're going to go, from, go before me and lead the way and show me the way. And I felt like that all these years. The Lord just going right ahead of me, showing me the way. At the same time, he's right at hand, holding my hand. Isn't that wonderful? And then he said, be careful for nothing. You know what that means? Don't be uptight. Don't be uptight. What, what, what is your heartache? What is your sorrow? What is your vain thing that is just tearing you to pieces? Well, here it says, don't be uptight. Don't you be uptight. Uh, be careful for nothing but in everything, in everything, every single thing. I don't know what it is, but you know, everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And what's going to happen? The peace of God that passeth all understanding. That's, that's the answer. See, that's, that's what's going to happen. When you talk to your Heavenly Father about it, you tell him what your problem is, tell him what your heartache is, tell him what your sorrow is, tell him what the, all the things that come into your life that you just feel like you can't stand anything else, then you, make, you talk to the Lord about it. You talk to the Lord about it. And what's going to happen? The peace of God that passeth all understanding. The peace of God that passeth all understanding. Now, don't we, aren't we silly to fret and to stew and to worry about things that haven't even happened? And they probably never will happen. Boy, we females are good for that, aren't we? We're famous for that. Why, we can just fret and stew and worry about something that we think maybe is going to happen. Like this woman, so worried about acid rain and AIDS and... and her daughter being raped and all these crazy things. She's imagining vain things. 
which will probably not any of them ever happen in her lifetime to her children. But she's making herself sick over it. Making herself sick over it. And so we can just do that and just make ourselves just sick over worrying about something that'll probably never happen. Never happen. Never happen. So you just need to say, well, the Lord's in control. He knows all about me. He knows what's going to happen in my life. And so whatever comes, well, this is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. Be glad in it. And you know, I can remember, I had a twin sister. I know this lovely lady over here is telling me she had a twin, has a twin sister. My twin sister died just shortly before my husband did. So I lost the two dearest people in my life just within a matter of weeks of one another. But anyway, uh, when, when I was a child, my twin sister was very, very ill when we were about 10 years old. And it looked like perhaps she was not going to live, so my folks wanting to prepare me for it, told me, you know, that Betty may not live. Betty may not live. And oh, I just, oh, I just couldn't stand to think of that. And I said to my mother, if Betty dies, you'll have to bury me with her. I can't live without Betty. I can't live without Betty. Oh, I can't live without Betty. Oh, how I worried about that and how I fretted over that. And, uh, and she lived. And she got well, and that was wonderful. But you know, from that time on, I would have nightmares over the fact that Betty had died, and they had to bury her. Oh, I'd have nightmares over that. And I'd fret over it, and I'd worry over it, and I'd just think, oh, and I'd say, God, don't ever take Betty from me. Don't ever take Betty from me. And then I got married, and then you know what I began to worry about? What if Bill should die before I did? Oh, I'd worry about that. And I'd say, Lord, take me home first. Don't ever leave me here on the earth without Bill. I can never do it. And I'd worry and I'd fret and I'd stew over it. Now, isn't that silly? Well, then my sister was called home and called home to heaven. And I was with her a few days before. And it was a very wonderful time. And she knew she was going. And she knew it was just a matter of time. And she was ready and prepared. And and, and was very, very joyous, and I was just surprised at the peace I had. And then when she died, I went to, to Fort Worth, Texas, to her funeral, and I had the peace that passes understanding. Well, I just couldn't get over it. My goodness, Lord, this is wonderful. The peace that passes understanding. And I said, now I know what that means. I can't get over what peace I have at the home going of my precious sister, Betty. See? Now, we have a Heavenly Father that knows all about us. And He's there to care. And He's there to be at hand. And He's there to comfort you. And He wants to. And then when I lost Bill, my goodness, anybody on earth that loved their husband like I loved Bill Rice. My, I loved that man with all my heart, all my soul, and all my body. I loved him. And I just, you know, I just couldn't think of life without Bill. But my goodness, again, I felt the peace that passes all understanding. And I felt like the Lord was right there all the time, holding my hand. And I still do today. And that's what the Lord wants for us. He didn't want us to act like heathens. He didn't want us to rage. He didn't want us to imagine vain things. He's our Abba, Father, our Papa, and He cares. Recently, some people that belonged to our church in Murfreesboro, lost a son. And, of course, that's sad. 
and he's a very outstanding young man and really a fine young man. And he was in an automobile accident and was killed immediately. And uh, it was a tragedy. It was tragic. But my daughter-in-law and I, and uh, my daughter-in-law and I went to the funeral home, and I could not believe it. Those people were raging like the heathens. Mother and father, oh, they were crying and moaning and groaning and going on, and the men fell out on the floor, and they had to. Uh, bringing a nurse and she gave him a shot and they had to, the woman, she passed out and they had to carry her out. And I said, those people act like heathens. Now I know they were heartbroken. I know it's hard to lose a loved one. But I don't think it pleases the Lord for us to act like heathens in time of heartache and time of sorrow. We have a heavenly father and he cares and he knows all about you. And he knows our frailties. But he didn't want us to act like the heathens. Because we have a heavenly father who cares about us. And who's right there to help us onward with our Lord. Father, bless us now. And help us, Lord, to realize you do care. And you're there at all times to help us carry our load. Help us, Lord. To love you, to serve you, and to not act like heathens. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.